Greetings. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast, and this is episode 59. Greetings everyone. I hope you're doing okay and keeping your eyes focused on your prize, which is to make enough money so you can buy yourself out of your day job and live your best life your way. This week, I want to talk about something that's been bugging me for some time, and that is the view of ourselves and the way we describe our inability to move forward with our best life plans. When people speak to me, so many people describe themselves as a bit lazy with starting things. They often say, well, Dr. Asha, I listen to your podcasts, but sometimes when I get home and it's the weekend, sometimes I feel a bit lazy to start anything even though I always say I'm going to start. And for me, I hear this and I sigh. And that's why I decided to call this episode, You're Not Lazy, You're Just Tired or Afraid. Now, what I know is that there are lots of internal feelings that are getting in the way of us being able to take consistent steps towards getting our ultimate prize. That prize of being able to live our best lives in a hot country of our dreams, which for me is Africa, hence the title of the podcast. And what I also know is that one of those internal feelings that we believe may be getting in the way is what we often call laziness. You know the drill. We see a piece of time and say to ourselves, I know I should be doing A, B or C, but. Now, just so we're clear, the definition of laziness that I'm dealing with is when lazy actually means being almost like allergic to work in an avoidance kind of way. And lazy may be also meaning being slow moving and unenergetic and not being in a hurry to get anywhere. Now, there are very few African people who I have met who are entirely or completely happy with the way they have to live their lives. Almost everyone that I have spoken to feels that they should be getting somewhere. So this is why I say that part of the definition of laziness is not being in a hurry to get anywhere. Remember, we're talking about African descent people here. And that begs the question about whether African descent people have the time to be lazy. Now, of course, there are always some exceptions to the rule. And I'm sure we know people who fit the definition of being allergic to work in an avoidance kind of way. And this kind of behaviour 
will usually be accompanied by all manner of tips and tricks that these kinds of lazy people will use to get their needs met. So we know them, they stand out. And so, no, I'm not talking about these people who, in terms of people I've met, are in the minority. I'm talking about the majority of African people in the West. In earlier podcasts, I talked about the fact that African people are paid some of the lowest wages in the job market. Now, remember, it's not me saying this. This is what the media, which is not influenced by African people at all, this is what the media are saying. For example, some of the latest pieces of research completed by the Resolution Foundation reported in the independent newspaper, a newspaper that I do not own, reported that BME workers are paid as much as £3.90 per hour less than their white colleagues for doing the same job and that the total loss of wages added up to a staggering, wait for it, £3.2 billion every year. That research being completed in 2018. Just let that figure sink in. £3.2 billion per year. That's enough to pay the furloughed wages of about 3 million UK workers for a month. So just from that figure alone, you can see that the work you do is underpaid to the extent, and I would argue, for the purposes of generating profits to pay the wages of other people. In short, African people are working to pay the wages of their colleagues in the same company. This is the enormity of racism in the UK and we know it's true and that it can only be racism that accounts for this disparity because if you're doing the same job as your colleague then you are both qualified to do that job. So let's end the argument right there. And I also don't need any convincing about this because before I left my job to work for myself, the difference between what I was being paid and what my white male colleague was being paid for doing the different but equal work as me was £9.08 per hour. Can you believe that? Let me leave that one right there to sink in because this was one of the main reasons that helped me to get over my tiredness and my fear and move on. But remember, the figure is relative. And what that means is that it will not matter what job you do, from the highest paid to the lowest paid. What the research found was that there is an ethnic penalty to pay in your wages for not being white. And that penalty can range from a few pence per hour to £3.90 per hour as an average penalty meaning that some penalties will be higher, like mine, and some will be lower. Now, you may ask the question, did I do anything about it? 
And what I can say is that I went to court several times and won. But I just got tired of having to keep doing this because each time I had to do it, it got harder and harder and it took more and more and more of my emotional and psychological energy. And what I realised is that when you're trying to fight a system, sometimes the biggest fight you can give that system is to get out. And that's what I did. And it was the best thing that I ever did. Now, when you're working for as much as £3.90 per hour less than your white colleague, which, by the way, accounts for an extra £156 per week or an extra £8,012 per year before deductions, then there's a knock-on effect to this. Because although African people are losing money every day that we go to work, we are still paying the same costs as everyone else. Our rents, mortgages, utility bills, mobile phone bills, subscriptions, school fees, childminding costs, food costs and every other cost we have to pay for from our £3.90 per hour less of a wage well, they're still the same costs that everyone else has to pay. And here, the 2017 research by the Joseph Rowntree Foundation, or the JRF, as it's more commonly known, also helps us to understand the current situation. JRF found that poverty rates amongst BME communities is twice as high as that of white communities, with factors like higher unemployment, higher rates of economic inactivity, a higher likelihood of lower pay, geographical location, migration status and educational attainment, all being factors that lead to poverty for BME workers. Some factors ensuring that there is an ethnic penalty to pay here too. Because when one or more of these factors are in play, to impact on your lived experience, then the corresponding effect to this is that we have higher living costs. And the immediate costs that come to mind are things like higher food costs, higher insurance costs and higher service charges for accessing these things in the areas where we live. Now, this is something that I researched myself whilst in London because although I had been taught this many years ago by the great master teacher Robin Walker, I had never seen it applied so blatantly before my eyes. So over a month, I went to several different small supermarket outlets and I bought bottles of water. And what I found was that in areas where Asian communities or African communities lived in large numbers, the water was as much as 10p per bottle more for the same water. And it didn't matter where I bought the water. If I bought the water in non-white areas, it was 10p more than when I bought the water from predominantly more affluent areas or larger supermarkets. Now, if you live in those areas and rarely travel outside of those areas, you're not going to know this. But this is the reality. 
So why is this important? It's important because working against this economic reality of low economic expectations and aspirations for African people and our children and then delivering deliberately lower wages to help confine those low expectations of African people to the only jobs we think we can get, which in the main will pay us as much as £3.90 per hour less for the privilege, African people inevitably have to do more work to earn the same money as white workers, to pay the same bills as white workers, to ensure we don't fall as far behind with our living costs as the system is designed to ensure. Now, there will be voices that say that this situation is the same for the working poor in general, no matter the race. And to some extent, this is true. But remember, it's not Dr. Asher saying that African people are paid as much as £3.90 per hour less or that the poverty rate for African people is as much as twice that of whites. No, it's not me saying this. So we have to look at the impact of this situation on African people and other communities and races will have to do the same for themselves. The major impact of this situation for African people in the West is that if you have to work twice as hard to get half as far as everyone else, then there is a knock-on effect to this, with African workers more likely than white workers having to work extra hours or have extra jobs to plug that financial gap. And when you have to work as hard as that... And in our language, we have a saying called Twavaiwed, which means hard work, such that you're carrying boulders on your back, walking uphill to get to work before you've even done a day's work. That kind of hard work. And when you have to work hard like that, it's inevitable that there will be two effects that you will always be feeling. One is a feeling of tiredness and the other is a feeling of fear about how long you can keep going at that pace, knowing that you need the money and cannot stop. So when we consider our lifestyles against this backdrop that I've just explained, it's easy to see how when you get that rare day off, however unlikely that may be, that you will just want to do nothing but eat, sleep, and if you have the energy, play. But the inevitable cost of doing this is a feeling of guilt about being lazy and feelings that you could have used the day to do something more constructive or something more productive. And the other feeling is fear that your life is always going to be like this with no way out. But in real terms, could you have done this without insight into your lived experiences? I argue that without the insight and without the support, it's going to be difficult to take a constructive view 
about how to change your life when you're so tired and when you're afraid. And what I argue is that for everyone, the starting point has to be that when we get those feelings of laziness or fear, it's better to understand that those feelings are trying to tell you something about why those feelings are there. Why are those feelings there? They're not there for no reason. And I say that when you understand that under your present circumstances, you are just working to live whilst you dream of a better life, but know that you have no plans for how you can change your life, this is what can bring on the guilt or the fear. Looking at fear, it is a fear that I experienced for many, many years. And therefore, it's a fear I understand, especially when I'm working with people's emotional pain, when they're trying to work a plan to get them out of their existence. But at the same time, they're feeling afraid that they're not going to last or that they're not going to make it, or that time will run out. And they generally feel that because they don't know where to start. And people are afraid about what will happen if the whole system they're balancing on a knife edge suddenly comes collapsing down around them. Which, by the way, is the reason that African people are more likely to go to work sick, when in actual fact we should be in our beds resting and healing. And so when you're looking at all of this, it is no wonder that you feel paralyzed into knowing what the first step is you should take when the backdrop to taking that step is that you have to keep on working in order to meet the bills. When you're carrying this much guilt or fear, it's really difficult to take a step back, take a breath and amidst all the chaos, sit down and tell yourself that you have the power to make a difference to your life. It's really difficult when you look at the pile of bills on the table and the more month left after the money has been spent bank account that you have to tell yourself that you can live your best life when in reality, you barely feel that you have a life. But one thing I always held on to, which I was taught by my elders, and it is the saying that this too shall pass. And what this meant to me was that as long as there is life, there is hope. If not today, then look for that hope tomorrow. And I kid you not, from the moment I started learning how to rebuild my sense of self-worth from what I had experienced, I started taking time back from that system that had me so tied up. I started taking time back minutes at a time and putting that time towards my plan to live my best life. And it was the best thing I ever did. And if you've been listening to these podcasts, I then named the taking back of that time using your six to nine to transform your nine to five. So if you're listening to this podcast 
and what you're hearing is resonating with how you've been feeling, then I want you to understand that you have the right to feel tired and or afraid. But once you've exercised your right, you have to show up for work in your own life to change your life for the better. If you need any motivation to help you do this, just look at the handling of the whole coronavirus mess, where yet again, the combined effects of living in a system as an African person makes us casualties of this virus across so many levels. When in African countries, take Malawi, my country, they've been fighting against the virus and thus far, you'll be listening to this episode round about the 21st of May, we have 63 cases and sadly, three people have lost their lives. And those three people came from another country and live in Malawi, where they have businesses and unfortunately passed away. I have got many, many friends who live in different African countries and their experience of the coronavirus is very, very different to the experiences that we're having here. And that's because governments have handled this matter very, 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 very different to how we have been exposed to this mess here in the UK and in the West in general. And so when I use that backdrop, what I'm encouraging you to do is to show up for work to change your own life, because the alternative is to just sit and wait for someone else's solution to be imposed on your life. And that will be the worst choice ever. I'm in this with you. So to help you, I'm going to be hosting a free session on introducing you to starting your living your best life plan. And I'll be hosting that session on the 13th of June 2020 at 4pm UK time. In the session, I'll be doing a short presentation and we'll then go on to look at how you can make a start with your living your best life plans. I'll also be doing a question and answer session so you can ask all of your burning questions. Now you'll need to register for the session so that I send you the link for the Zoom session. If this sounds like something for you, then you need to register at drasha.mikajabi.com forward slash ready. That's D-R-A-S-H-E-R dot M-Y-K-A-J-A-B-I dot com forward slash R-E-A-D-Y. Dr. Asher dot dot com forward slash ready. And it's all lower case. If you want to just click the link directly, then wherever you're listening to this podcast, there will be a podcast note that tells you what the podcast is about. If you scroll down to the bottom of the note, 
You'll either see a website link which you'll need to copy and paste into Google or whichever browser you're using. Or you'll see a live link which you press and it will take you straight to the registration page. Okay. I'm really looking forward to seeing you at the session. But until then, I'll be here next week. Have a great week. And remember that you are the only driver in your life that you need. And our aim is to wrestle that steering wheel away and put it back into your hands. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha, and until next week, I'm out.